Welcome to another week of Mum Will Know with me, Claire Wind, midwife and mum. Join me each week as we delve into topics from conception to kids in kindy with the aim to become confident and well-informed mums. This week I'm talking pain. Well, pain relief really. Uh, Often it's one of the biggest things on a pregnant woman's mind. The impending, fast approaching labour brings with it not only the baby that is long awaited, but it brings with it some fear and anxiety because it is painful. Unfortunately, if you've ever been pregnant, you'll know that as soon as someone sees your big pregnant belly, they feel like they've got a free pass to tell you how painful or traumatic or long their labor experience was. And the reality is, yes, labor is painful, hence the name labor, and it is hard work. But that doesn't mean that it needs to be something that you fear. So today I thought I'd talk you through the basics of why labor is painful, how to prepare for this pain and different ways that the pain of labor can be managed. So I'll get into pain relief options in a bit and I absolutely think it's important to understand what's on offer uh, and what the benefits and risks are before you go into labor so that you're equipped and educated and ready to make decisions for the care that you receive and the path that you go down. Uh, But firstly, I wanted to run over why, in fact, pain occurs in labor. Pain in labor is due to a combination of both physical and psychological reasons. So physically, through contractions and movement of the baby through the different stages of labor, pain is experienced in the woman's uterus, in her cervix, her vagina, the perineum, which is the skin that stretches between the vagina and the anus. Uh, as well as the ligaments and the joints in the mother's pelvis. Psychologically, there are a number of factors shown to influence a woman's interpretation of pain, and research shows that fear can make a woman's experience of pain in labour heightened, and that actually preparation for the labour and birth can help reduce anxiety and fear towards birth, which helps women manage or cope with the pain in labour better. So that's great news because that's exactly what Mama Knows all about. Uh, it's about educating and preparing you for what's to come. So hopefully by listening in today, you'll find comfort in knowledge and potentially any concerns or fears that you have may be addressed or eased slightly. By learning about the pain in labor before it actually happens, women can go into the labor experience with more realistic expectations uh, and ideas of how and what steps they can take to manage their pain, uh, which can build confidence and helpful, hopefully make you feel more in control of, of the situation. So this can seem easier said than done, I understand, uh, especially for first-time mums who've never actually experienced labor before. So going into labor with an ideal plan is great, but also being prepared and informed about all your options and steps available, because that will help you in decision making if things don't go to your ideal plan. Research shows that if women feel included in the decision making throughout their labor and birth, they report greater satisfaction in their birth experience, even if it went down a path that they had not intended. For example, Uh, someone's desired a a vaginal birth, but they've ended up having a a forceps or an emergency caesarean. Uh, So yeah, you want to be prepared, I guess, for any path that birth can take. Uh, Some other factors that may play a part in the level of pain experienced throughout labor include the baby's position. 
for example, you may have heard of women experiencing labor with a posterior baby, which is where their baby is lying with its back on the mother's back, which can both slow the progress of labor but also cause significant back pain. Uh, another factor that can play a part in the level of pain that women experience is the environment that you give birth in. Uh, there's a doctor in Australia called Dr. Sarah Buckley, and she writes heaps about this where she describes the natural hormones of labor either being uh, hindered or heightened depending on the environment you labor in. This is based on feelings of fear and tension, as I've mentioned before, and she gives the example of a cat giving birth in like a dark cozy, hidden environment like a laundry basket or a cupboard or something uh, and where this kind of nesting instinct kicks in as a way to ensure that the cat is feeling safe when it's in a vulnerable situation, which is giving birth. Similarly, in human birth, it's common to see that labour may slow down when you leave home and get to a hospital or when you know, you're in bright lights or you're feeling observed or pressured for time because those fight and flight hormones kick in. So thinking through the environment that you labor and birth in is really important so that the good hormones of labor, oxytocin, which keeps the uterus contracting and labor progressing, and also endorphins, which are the body's natural pain relief opiates, that these good hormones, they can be released rather than the fear-induced fight and flight hormones. As a side note, uh, this is not me saying that all women should have a home birth because they're bound to be more comfortable at home. A lot of women actually feel safe in the hospital, knowing that there are facilities and people around to help if need be. And, and they actually, yeah, they prefer that and feel more comfortable in that environment rather than their home. But this doesn't mean you can't create an environment in a hospital that promotes this nesting feeling, this safety. You know, turn down the lights, have music playing, maybe have some of those little battery-operated candles, uh, maybe some essential oils. Just create that birth space that's going to make you feel safe and comfortable and in control. Uh, another factor that may play a part in the level of pain a woman experiences is the support that she has to manage that pain. Ideally, midwives should be one-on-one -on -one with a woman who's in established labor, and midwives can provide a whole host of different ideas and supports to help you through the pain, although in reality, sometimes due to staffing issues, you may not get that one-to-one -one care. Other support people like your partner or your mum or whoever, maybe a doula, they can also provide uh, the support and encouragement that you need to help manage the pain as it comes. Another factor is your mindset. So understanding that labor pain actually equals progress can set you up to welcome the pain. If you've heard my birth story in episode two, I described getting to a point at home where my contractions were regular, you know, every two to three minutes or so, but they were only lasting 30 to 45 seconds. And I was definitely in pain through the contractions, but all I could think was that I wanted them to get longer and stronger. Uh, because then they'd be more effective and that would mean that my cervix was opening and that the baby was going to be born soon. So I found and basically learnt from seeing so many women give birth that if you can turn your focus from pain is bad or these contractions are bad and I can't cope with it to actually this pain is good because my baby is going to be born soon, uh, that can really, really help you get through it. And then, of course, there are pharmacological and non-pharmacological pain management methods. Uh, as I've touched on, women cope with labor pain better if they aren't afraid or fearful of it and if they feel somewhat in control of the situation. 
So I thought I'd briefly explain a range of options for pain relief that may be available to you, but it is important to talk with your care provider about this because depending on where you give birth, not all of these pain relief options will be available to you. For example, like if you're giving birth in a birth center, then you won't be able to have an epidural. Uh, Some options will also not be recommended depending on whether you have a high-risk pregnancy or based on how far in the labor you are when you're requested. So it's definitely worth having a good conversation with your care provider before labor about all the options so that when you turn up in the full swing of labor, you know exactly what to expect, you have a clear idea of what your options are, uh, and then you're ready, I guess, as you progress through the labor to request what you want. Uh, So I've split up the options here into a few categories. So there's natural methods of pain relief, non-medical, and then medical methods. So I'll start with the natural methods first. And I advise, yeah, when you're going into labor, having these in your kind of goodie bag. So you start with these natural methods of pain management and then go from there if you need. Yeah, but starting with the natural ones will hopefully pull you through a whole lot of the early labor at least and then hopefully through to baby being born. So natural methods, uh, water. Water is amazing. It helps with relaxation. It produces endorphins, which are those natural pain relief hormones that I mentioned. Uh, It also reduces the pressure on the mother's muscles and pelvis, uh, which is really helpful for long labors where you want to continue either being upright or moving, but your legs are just beyond it. Like you're just shaking and you can't hold yourself up anymore. I will note as well, though, if you are kneeling in the bath and find that a comfortable position, make sure you put some towels or something under your knees because I was at my friend's birth and she labored in this position for hours, which was awesome. But once her bub was born, we discovered that like both her knees were red, raw and bruised. So try and look after yourself if possible. Uh, Another natural method is positioning or movement. So moving freely, swaying, rocking your hips, all of those things will help relieve some of the pain and pressure during a contraction. Uh, I've mentioned this in other episodes, but gravity or being upright will also help move the baby through your pelvis. Uh, I had a tutor at uni share an example of her labor where she was fully dilated and she was pushing and pushing, but this baby just wasn't coming out. And the problem was that the baby was in that posterior position I mentioned earlier and just wasn't making it past some of the bony parts of the pelvis. And she described that after ages of moving and like moving around, pushing, and just the baby not making it out at all, not getting even any closer to being born, she just had this instinctual... Uh, movement during one contraction where she just lifted one leg up really high and opened up a hip, kind of like if you can imagine climbing over a waist height fence or something. Uh, So she lifts her leg up and kind of twists her leg around, opening up her hip. uh, And then the baby became unstuck and was born in the next contraction. And so I guess in terms of pain relief, that changing positions here meant that the labor progressed more quickly And who knows how long things would have gone if she'd stayed in that one position trying to push the baby out. For me personally, I know that I could not handle lying down during my labor and even sitting through a contraction like in the car was so much more painful. So despite the fact that you're exhausted and have often been on your feet for hours and hours, movement uh, can be really helpful in lessening the pain experienced. Another natural option is massage. Massage reduces muscle tension, which again is about this idea of relaxing, which then releases those natural endorphins. 
and massage or light touch even, like that kind of drawing lightly on your back, it's almost a bit ticklish, can be distracting. And that can help your mind focus on that touch as opposed to the contraction that's actually happening. So distraction's pretty good too. Uh, another option is heat or ice packs. Heat packs to your lower back are great. Cold compresses or washes to your face and neck and shoulders, that can be really helpful. Uh, breathing techniques, of course, I'm sure you've probably all seen in movies and everything, the breathing that comes with labor. But yeah, being relaxed is really important in order for those natural hormones to assist labor to progress, like oxytocin, uh, as well as the hormones that act as a natural pain relief, endorphins, as I mentioned earlier. And as I mentioned, if you feel anxious, fearful, and tense, your body will react in that fight or flight with those adrenaline hormones, which can impact the progress of your labor. So if you can really focus on long, slow breaths, that can be so helpful in relaxing your body. There's a um, midwife in America, her name's Ina Mae Gaskin, and she talks about this kind of relaxed face and hands meaning that you'll have a relaxed cervix or an open face and hands means you'll have an open cervix. Um, and then, of course, the process of focusing on breathing can also help with distracting from the contraction itself, so that distraction method again. Uh, another natural thing to consider is just music. As I mentioned earlier, in terms of creating a like a safe environment or a relaxing environment, make a playlist of your favorite relaxing music. Yeah, that'll help. And then acupressure, that's an option as well. Um, often acupuncture therapists can show you uh, the pressure points that you can do during labor and you should teach your partner or your support person. Uh, yeah, and that's a yeah another natural method of pain management. Uh, in terms of non-medical options, there's the TENS machine. So I use this in my labor. Uh, but basically what a TENS machine is, it's a portable uh, battery-operated device which generally hangs around your neck or clips onto an item of clothing. And it's a little device that has wires coming out of it with sticky pads on it and they stick onto your lower back. There's four of them. So to use the TENS, there are different settings, but it basically sends small electrical pulses onto your body, which stimulates the release of endorphins. And TENS machines can be adjusted to increase the strength and frequency of those electrical pulses. The one I used in labor seemed to have like a constant, subtle vibration. And then as a contraction started, I'd press the boost button and the pulse would be stronger until I turned the boost off at the end of the contraction. And again, it basically distracts your brain into focusing on those pulses on your back rather than the contraction itself. Another non-medical pain management option is sterile water injections. And these are particularly helpful for women who experience uh, intense back pain in labor, often because of that posterior positioned baby. Uh, during a contraction, two midwives inject like a tiny little blip of sterile water into two points on your lower back. And they generally repeat this on two further spots. So you have four blips of sterile water injected just under your skin on your lower back. I will warn you, these injections sting like crazy. And people often liken it to being stung by a wasp. But the sting usually only lasts about 30 seconds and then it can actually relieve or take away that back pain that you're experiencing for a number of hours. It's a great option as well to try because it has no harm or effect on the baby and it can be repeated throughout labor if you have found it helpful. So now I'll go into some of the medical options and this is where it's really important to take note of the potential side effects or risks that come with some of these options of pain relief. 
So firstly, your kind of your first method of medical pain relief is a nitrous oxide or gas. And uh, this is basically a mixture of nitrous and oxygen, which gets breathed through a mouthpiece during contractions. As soon as you start feeling the contraction begin, you start breathing on the mouthpiece. And it's important that you breathe long, slow, really deep breaths. And in my experience, you have to like listen out for these little beads that rattle in the machine, which helps you know that you're getting the gas. It sounds weird, but if you've used gas before, you'll know what I'm talking about. And with the gas, the important thing as well to note is that it won't take away your pain. It generally just takes the edge off, especially at the peak or the hardest, most intense part of your contraction. Some women also find that using the mouthpiece and concentrating on those long, deep breaths helps, again, distract from the contraction and therefore provides relief from the pain in that way. A lot of women are nervous about using gas as they're worried that they may feel sick. But I always say if you're looking for a medical pain relief option to help give gas a go, absolutely. Because if you try it and you do feel dizzy, then all you have to do is take a few deep breaths out and the gross kind of dizzy feeling leaves and you're back to normal like straight away. So this also means it's a great option because it never passes through the placenta to your baby. So there's no effect uh, or, or risk for your baby. Also, something you can know is that the level of oxygen to nitrous can be altered. So you often start off with quite a low level of nitrous. And then if you're finding it helpful and you're not feeling sick, the midwife uh, can increase the level of nitrous as your labor is progressing and contractions are intensifying. Another medical option is morphine. So this is an intramuscular injection and it's quite a strong painkiller. However, like gas, it's not going to take away the pain of a contraction. It's just going to lessen its severity. Also like gas, some women don't find it effective at all. Morphine, unfortunately, isn't instant. So you have to be prepared for it to take about half an hour to kick in. And morphine can make women feel nauseous and also quite drowsy. So some hospitals have policies that mean that if you've had morphine, you can't get into the bath within, I think it's like four hours or so of having the injection. Uh, In terms of safety for your baby, morphine does cross the placenta. And Because of that, it means that the baby can actually be born quite sleepy and have some breathing issues. So generally, this is if the injection was given quite close to the birth of the baby. Um, And if that has happened, you're likely to have a pediatrician or a baby doctor in the room at the birth just in case the baby has some breathing issues. So if you're considering morphine, it's best to have it in the full swing of established labor, but when you're not expecting the baby to arrive in the next four hours or so. Hard to judge, I know. But yeah, if you are if you think you're close to pushing this baby out, I wouldn't be recommending morphine. Uh, and then the next step up is the epidural. So this is the most invasive but also the most effective pain relief option available in labour. It's so effective, in fact, that most women with an epidural will not experience pain anymore. <laughs> uh, how it works is that an anaesthetic drug is injected by an anaesthetist, so a doctor, into the epidural space, which is a small space near your spine, and a small plastic tube's left in this space and taped to your back, which continues to administer the anaesthetic top-ups throughout labour. So the medication generally takes about 20 minutes or so to start taking effect. And as I've mentioned, for some women, it will completely take away the sensation of pain and be so strong, in fact, that standing or even holding their own legs up is not possible. 
Uh, and then some women will experience a lesser dose, which means that the sensations of pain are altered, but they can still feel when they're having contractions or when pressure is applied, which can be helpful with pushing. And because of the level of sensation that it blocks, an epidural can provide opportunity for women to rest or even get some sleep. If you are having an epidural, you'll also require a urinary catheter and an intravenous drip of fluids. So the drip is because the anesthetic can cause a drop in blood pressure. And then the urinary catheter is due to the fact that the sensation to wee is also numbed by the epidural, which means that women can't actually manage to walk to the toilet. Yeah, they're stuck lying in bed. You'll also be required to have a CTG, which is monitoring the baby continuously, uh, checking on the baby's condition or heart rate, and then also monitoring your contractions more closely. With the increase in benefits or effectiveness in relieving pain also comes an increase in risks and potential negative side effects due to the use of an epidural. So research shows that women who have epidurals will generally experience longer first and second stages of labor. And if you want to know what they are, uh, listen into episode nine, where I go into detail about them. Research also shows that with an epidural, there's an increased incidence of the baby being malpositioned, which makes it more difficult to be born. You're more likely to require oxytocin infusion uh, to ensure that the contractions continue and are more likely to need assistance with the birth of the baby as well. So that's by instrumental episiotomy or cesarean section. And of course, the epidural procedure itself comes with its own risks. The most common of those being that it is ineffective or only partially effective, which, you know, you can see that in that it might only work on one side of a woman's body. Other risks are hypertension, which I mentioned earlier, which is the drop in blood pressure. There's also dural puncture and headache, which are usually short-term complications that can be easily treated, although it does mean that you can feel pretty rubbish over those first few days when you really want to be enjoying your gorgeous newborn. More serious or permanent complications are very rare, but of course will be discussed with you in labor by an anesthetist prior to giving an epidural. So that's a bit of an overview of some of the natural, non-medical and medical options for pain relief in labor. I think it's important to note though that Research has shown that the use of pain relief isn't actually associated with women reporting greater satisfaction with their birth experience. Every woman's going to respond and cope with the pain of labor differently, but being educated and prepared before labor actually begins is known to be beneficial in improving women's experiences of birth. Having a greater knowledge about options for pain relief, including their risks and benefits, will hopefully equip you with confidence, not fear as you approach labor and will help you feel more in control as your labor progresses and you can pull out of your ideas bag all these different steps to try out, you know, maybe starting with massage or movement and water and then potentially, if you need, moving into some of the non-medical or medical options as well. I hope that some of these methods of pain relief are helpful and that you can remember them when you are in labor. If some of them stand out in particular and sound like they'd be useful for you, make sure you let your support person or your partner know uh, so that even if you're, you know, in the heat of labor and you forget about all these different options, you've got your support person there to suggest them. If you know someone who's pregnant, do them a favor and please let them know about this episode so that they can be better prepared and confident going into labor. 
And if you found this episode helpful, please write a positive review and give the podcast a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts so that more people have access to this information. I'd love to hear more about your own birth experiences and what worked for you in terms of managing your pain. Head across to Facebook and Instagram at Know to fill me in on the hot details. And finally, as always, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on next week's episode.